0: listening To the Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Christ Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. How is everybody? Yeah? Yeah, give it up for worship. That was awesome, right? Sweet, sweet. So, if you guys are new tonight, or you've only been here a couple times, I'm going to let you in on a secret, I am not Brandon Hayes. I know we look a lot alike, Uh, he's almost as big as I am, but not quite, Um, but he asked me to speak tonight because I'm just a little bit better looking than he is, Um, and so that's not really the case, Um, but we're going to go with that because uh, it makes me look good, right? Sweet. So, I'm going to start off tonight with telling you guys a little story, but before I do that, have you guys ever been listening to somebody speak or listening to maybe like your teacher and like high school calculus and you are like, there is no way that this pertains to me in any kind of way or that I will ever gain or I will ever benefit from this? So you just zone out. Does that happen to anybody? I saw Jessica raise her hand. Deb, amen, yeah? Okay, I saw some hands raised. <clears throat> happens to me a lot. Um, I'm gonna share a story with you guys about one time that happened to me when I was playing high school football. Um, sweet. So if you guys know me, I was not really a football player. Um, I played soccer all throughout high school. My senior year, I had some friends that were like, "Zach, you have to play football. You have to. It's your senior year. You have to play football." So I made a deal with them: if they played soccer, I would play football. And so I played football my senior year. I was a soccer player, so they went ahead and threw me into kicker and punter, which was fun. I didn't do anything at practice. I just like messed around on the sidelines and stuff and threw footballs at people and tried to hit people with punts on the sideline. It was a fairly easy job, right? Um, and so every single day they would do some sort of tackling practice, whether it was with form or whether it was uh, whatever it was. I don't know football terms. Like I said, I didn't play football. Um, but they would they would try to get the punters and the kickers. They would say, hey, you guys, if you guys want to, you can come join us. You can come practice your hitting and your tackling. Um, we'd love to instruct you on how to. We'd love to teach you how to tackle somebody properly. And my thought was always like, I ain't gonna do that. When am I ever gonna need to tackle somebody? I'm not gonna go over there so the big defensive lineman can use the poor little kicker. I wasn't little. I was about the same size I am now. But the poor kicker as a tackling dummy. I was like, I am not gonna let that happen. So I never did, right? I just tuned out. They would do that and I would be lounging over on the sideline, taking a nap on the football, just watching people get hit, having fun. But... A few weeks later, my idea to tune all of that out and to not listen would come back and bite me in the butt. We were playing a football game, Friday Night Lights, big deal in Texas. Um, I don't know where all you guys are from, but maybe it's a big deal where you're from too. And so we have a stadium full of people. Um, went to Coronado High School here in Lubbock. And so I'm, yeah, go Stangs or CHS, I like that. I like that, some, some proud people in the room tonight. I can, I can be a fan of that. but. So I was kicking, right? We had just scored a touchdown, so I back up. I almost tripped over this thing right here. Um, But I backed up and boom, I kicked the ball. And usually I don't have to worry about it because our people will run down the field and they'll make a tackle and I just kind of jog and follow the play and make sure that nobody's going to get through, but I'm never going to have to make a tackle, right? Well, this one time, this dude busts through and I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, I'm going to have to make a tackle. I'm going to have to make a tackle. And this guy's not big. He's, he's maybe five foot, nine. I mean, you guys, if you watch football or follow football, you know that a kick returner is not a big man, right? He's smaller than Brandon, got you dog. Brandon's big, that's why he's smaller than him. Um, but no, he's, he's not a big man, right? So I was definitely bigger than him and I was a kicker. And so this guy's running down the sideline and I'm like, oh dear Jesus, this is, this is not happening. I should have paid attention. And as he's running down the sideline, I just kind of close my eyes and grab and hold on for dear life, right? And it was an incredibly embarrassing moment of my life. Hopefully, those of you who are from Lubbock and went to Coronado and watched our football games, hopefully you do not remember this happening Um, because I did not ever want to talk about it again until it proved to be a really good uh, picture of what I'm talking about tonight. So I wrapped him up as best as I can. I hold on to his ankles and he completely runs me over, completely. I did make the tackle, so that's a plus, right? Pat on the back for Zach, but I definitely got completely ran over, held onto his shoelaces. I was lucky to make the tackle. And so the reason that I tell you that completely embarrassing story is like I said at the beginning, there's moments in our lives where we hear something and we're like, that ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm gonna completely ignore it and tune it out. And so I want to share with you guys a proverb tonight that's going to seem like that at the beginning. You're going to hear me read this proverb in just a second, and you're going to want to say, Psh, I don't even know what that means. I'm going to completely tune you out. But I really encourage you, and I ask you to really hunker down and dig in, and I really think that this could be a super awesome night. So I'm going to pray for us real quick, and uh, we're going to dive on in, okay? Father, I thank you for today. Um, I thank you for embarrassing football stories. Um, I thank you that it seemed like nobody in this room was like, yeah, I remember that happening. So I thank you for that, Father. Um, I thank you for just everybody that's here tonight that decided to come on a Tuesday night when classes just got started, and we probably have tons of homework, and we have tons of other social events going on, and all kinds of things that we could be doing tonight. Um, I thank you for the commitment and the desire for people to come here and to seek after your name and to seek after who you are, Father. Um, I pray that you speak through me tonight. I pray that any words that are mine, Lord, you take away and you replace them with your words because that's what we're after tonight. Um, So yeah, Father, pray for open eyes, open hearts, open ears for what you have for us. Um, And Holy Spirit, just come down on us tonight. Bring the fire. We love you in your name. Amen. Sweet. So if you guys want to turn with me to Proverbs 14, we're going to be reading verse four. you guys are ready for your minds to be blown by how much sense this doesn't make? Awesome. So Proverbs 14:4 four says, "Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox." So <laughs> I'm going to read that one more time for you guys. Um, Proverbs 14:4: four. "Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox now as you can tell it doesn't matter how slow or how much emphasis i put on different words in that it kind of doesn't make sense still um but i highly encourage you to to kind of dig in and listen tonight you ready um so raise your hand if you're in here if you own a manger right if you have a manger nobody i didn't think so what, I'd be surprised. This one's maybe a little bit more likely, but I would still be surprised. Raise your hand in here if you own an ox. <laughs> My fiance back there raised her hand. Shout out, we get married in a month from tomorrow. woo um, But no, she does not own an ox, at least not one that I've ever seen. Um, so that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, so nobody in here owns a manger. Oh, we have a hand back there. You own an oxen. I appreciate that. Hey, it's Okay. <laughs> Well, so that's one, right? So then I'm just going to speak to him for the rest of tonight. You guys can leave. No, I'm kidding. Everybody, please stay. Sweet. So, so, yeah, if if I told everybody to leave and you guys all got up and left, I'd probably be in trouble. Um, But, so in here, it doesn't seem like most of us um, would get something from this verse. Um, But Solomon knew what he was saying. He was speaking um, the language of this time, right? He was living in a very... Ag-based society. He was living um, in a time where a lot of people were farmers or ranchers or whatever the word is. I don't know the proper terminology, um, but he was speaking the language of the time, and we can still gain something from this. We just have to kind of transition it into a modern-day proverb, right? We have to transition it into something that would make sense in our society and in our time. Um, and so at that time, like I said, it was a very agricultural-based society. Um, and so this, this proverb, Solomon was like, man, this is going to make total sense to the people I'm talking to. Um, and it did. And so the way that we can, can kind of transform that into way, a way that we understand today, we have to first understand it completely as it is right here. So we have to understand... Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. So we're gonna kinda dive in to quickly try to understand what he's talking about right there. So I don't know if any of you guys know kinda what oxen are, or what they look like, but they're huge, right? So I did some research on the Google, um, cause I'm not smart enough to know this stuff. But oxen, as full grown adults, can range somewhere from 1,500 pounds to 3,000 pounds. Almost as much as Brandon can squat. Um, I keep picking on Brandon and his fitness, I'm sorry. Um, It's like, I'm as bad with Brandon's fitness as he is with The Office. Um, But that was the last time tonight, I promise. So they're really big, right? And usually big animals, big things, big people eat a lot of food, right? So oxen ate a lot of food. And if you eat a lot of food, you probably use the bathroom a lot. So oxen use the bathroom a lot, right? (laughs) So they're big. They eat a lot of food, they use the bathroom a lot, they stink, they're messy, all of the above, right? So basically what he's saying is if you go out and you buy an oxen, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that, right? There's a lot of stink, poop, you have to put a lot of money into food. Oxen themselves, if you buy them, they're expensive. So they're not easy to to take in and to use, but there's a big but right there. Oxen can really, really help a farmer out. They're one of the animals that you can most easily use to enhance the amount of crops that you bring in, to enhance the amount of money you make, um, as long as you use them correctly, right? And so what he is talking about here, kind of seems is taking calculated risks, right? Because if you go out, it's all good, your manger is clean, you don't have an oxen, that's all fun. That's good. But if you go out and buy an oxen and take the risk of potentially making your manger a little dirty, having to clean up after it, you can bring in more money, you can bring in more crops, you can bring in more yield, but you have to take that risk, right? So it kind of seems, you guys, do you guys kind of follow with me? Kind of seems like he's talking about making a calculated risk, right? Give you a couple head nods maybe. Awesome. Sweet. Making sure I'm not crazy. <clears throat> um... So that's kind <clears> of <throat> the idea of what Solomon was saying there, right? He was talking to an ag-based society and telling them, hey, your life could be better. It could be more beneficial. You could get more money. You could get more crops. You could affect the world in a larger way if you take the chance and you buy an ox. So how does that look in our lives? Um, calculated risks, right? Right? If you buy an ox, it could potentially make things better. How do we translate that into our lives? It kind of goes along with the idea that I'm sure some of you guys have heard about why settle for good when you can have great, right? Um, And so I'm a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. My family is from um, Pittsburgh, go Steelers, Um, and sweet. So their wide receiver coach that had been their coach for quite a while recently at the beginning of this season passed away. Um, And one of their wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, made some bracelets um, with the last thing that the coach told them. The coach's name was Daryl Drake. And this is the last thing that Daryl said, never choose good when great is available. And I feel like that's so similar to this passage, because like I said a minute ago, having a clean manger, that's awesome, right? You don't have to pick up after things. You can continue to farm and you can continue to bring in money and you can continue to make crops and sell crops and buy things and and put money into the local economy at that time. And so that's good, right? But why settle for good when you could potentially go get an oxen and make that great? So I feel like that really goes along with with what the sermon is saying, with what the scripture is saying, my fault. Um, Why settle for good when there is great available? Um, Another way that this can take shape in our lives, I've already asked my boy Levi if I could share this, so I'm going to hate on him for a couple of seconds right here. Um, I love that guy. He's sitting right here on the front row. Make fun of him afterwards. Um, But Levi is dating a super awesome girl named Emily. And this story is not as much about Emily as it is about Levi being a goof. Um, And so Levi, I've been best friends with Levi since we were like six years old. And so (laughs) I remember months ago before they started dating, Levi and I were talking about this girl, Emily, and he was like, man, I like her. She's cool. I enjoy hanging out with her. But the only time he would see her was on Tuesday nights here. Every Tuesday night, they'd sit together. They'd hang out. They'd talk afterwards. They'd talk before. He'd walk her out to her car, and he'd come back in. And this happened for weeks at a time, right? But the boy never asked for her phone number. He only walked her to her car and said, good night, side hug, going back inside, see you later. See you next week. Do this again. Um, And so he never took the risk. This is a super simple and really stretched out idea of this. Kind of silly even, but it it fits it as well because Levi never wanted to take the risk of being rejected. He never wanted to take the risk of maybe losing a friendship with Emily. He never wanted to take the risk of being kind of awkward and saying, well, hey, like, we do this all the time for a couple weeks now. Can I have your number? He never wanted to take a calculated risk to ask Emily for her number. If he wouldn't have done that, chances are he'd still be walking her out to her car tonight. Or if she was smart, she would have said, bump that fool, I'm gonna push him to the side and somebody else can pursue me, right? Um, And so I share that tonight, one, because it's funny and I like to make fun of Levi. Um, But two, because it, it goes along with the scripture so well. Levi did not wanna take the risk of bringing the oxen into his life. The oxen being asking, Emily on a date. Emily is not the oxen. Emily is not the oxen, everybody. Don't even think about it. I heard a few laughters, and you guys are all bad people. Um, The oxen, I tried to explain if you would have held your laugh. The oxen was asking Emily for her number, right? The, The question of asking Emily on a date, or asking Emily, hey, I'm tired of just walking to your car, what if I get your phone number and I can call you and ask you on a date later? Or what if we go get coffee or whatever? I don't know what transpired after that, but I do know that they're dating now and that they're awesome and that it's super cool, right? And so it could be something as simple or as stretched as that, or it could be something a little bit more serious, right? Um, And so I wanna share with you guys a story about my buddy Chase, who I traveled with uh, whenever I was working with the missions organization, um, two-ish years ago now. Um so I traveled with Chase and we were in the Philippines last not last December but the December before. Um and we were helping with this uh like church kind of children's program thing and it was it was about to be Christmas and Chase was like what do you guys do for Christmas? Cuz in the Philippines Christmas is a huge deal. You think it's a big deal here? Go to the Philippines. It makes us look like a bunch of wusses. Um it's awesome. I love it. And so we were there and and he asked the people like, "Hey, what do you guys do for Christmas?" Um, And they were like, well, not really anything And he was like, well, what if I go buy a Santa costume And I'd be Santa for you guys this year And it's really funny because Chase is a really, really skinny Long, like lengthy guy He has no stomach on him whatsoever And so this was like completely clean shaven Baby face, can't grow a beard It was awesome And they were like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, so he went and bought a Santa suit that's way too big for him. What I should have done is I should have got the picture from his Instagram so I could show you guys tonight. I didn't think about that. But there's a picture of him with like hundreds of little kids, and he's just like this in a big old Santa costume. But what was so cool about that is that we got to to minister to so many kids that Christmas because Chase had the boldness and the courage to invite the oxen into his life by saying, hey, what do you guys do for Christmas? Can I be Santa for you? That could have potentially been like an awkward, like, no, dude, that's sacrilegious. Or like, no, like, we don't, we don't want you to do that. Stop being weird or whatever. But since he asked, he was able to do that. And we were able to reach so many children that Christmas and tell them about who Jesus was. Another kind of silly story, a more serious one now, though, is, is there is a, a business called Bella Goose that's located in Wisconsin. They're a coffee shop. Um, and when it originally started, the, the guy who started it, his name is Jordan. He started it with his father. Um, he just had the idea of like, hey, I'm gonna start a small Roast Street. So he did that just for family and friends and small businesses. And, and he always had a passion in his heart to fight sex trafficking in Southeast Asia. Um, and so he was like, what if this, this coffee shop somehow could fund the fight against sex trafficking? What if we could even one day maybe be there and, and fight sex trafficking in, in the trenches? What if we could do that? He felt God calling him to that. And because he was so willing to say, hey, I'm about to do something crazy and I'm about to start this business and I'm gonna to try to, to, with the Lord, fight sex trafficking in Southeast Asia, because he was willing to invite that into his life that could have been messy, it could have been hard, um, it, it could have taken its toll, it could have been dangerous. He was willing to invite that into his life so that his ministry could grow and so that the Lord could use him in bigger ways. Seven years down the road from that right now, Bella Goose has a shop in Wisconsin, with a roastery and they have a shop in Thailand that opened up a year and a half ago and they have a shop in the Philippines that opened up a year and a half ago. So because he was willing to say, hey, I'm inviting this messy, stinky, dirty oxen into my life that could potentially ruin things, that could potentially make things harder, since I'm inviting that into my life, God got to use him in a greater way. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's so cool. And you guys are like, okay, cool. That's these people who are, who are doing crazy awesome things. What about the Bible, Zach? What happens in the Bible? Well, let me tell you, right? So Jesus, perfect example, um, what if he would have been like, man, I know what God's calling me to I know that God's calling me to live a perfect life and to go die on the cross and that could kind of be messy if I live this life. Um, these dudes called the Pharisees might be upset with me. They might try to hurt me um, if I live this life, if I go and if I heal people. Um, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all these other people, the Romans, they might be mad at me and they might try to hurt me. What if he was just like, you know what, God? I don't think that's for me. I think I'm gonna take a big step back and kind of, I keep hitting this thing, take a big step back and kind of let things play out on their own. But no, instead he said, I'm gonna invite that oxen into my life and potentially make my manger messy, right? Potentially fill it with gunk and with poop and with stank but I'm gonna do that because I want God to use me. You guys might be thinking, okay, that's Jesus. He lived a perfect life, of course he did that. Well, you're right. Um, what about Moses? You guys heard the story of Moses? Um, Moses who was a murderer, right? Moses um, who, who did not think God could use him. What if he would've known his calling and just sat back? What if he would've been like, God, you know what? Um, in, in the book of Exodus, what if he would've been like, God, you know what? I'm just gonna take a step back from the situation and I'm gonna see what happens if I let um, the situation in Egypt play out by itself. I'm not gonna go and address Pharaoh. I'm not gonna go and try to, to make Pharaoh let your people go. I know you've told me to. I know that you've called me to that, but that oxen seems a little bit too messy That oxen seems a little bit too dangerous and too stinky. I'm gonna leave it over there and I'm gonna sit back right here. I'm gonna watch from afar and kind of just see what happens with with your people, with the Israelites. But no, rather than that, he he stepped out in boldness and he said yes to the oxen. He said, yes, God, I, I know that one, I am not good enough. I know that too, that I have a messed up past. I know that I will mess up in the future, but God, I know that you are calling me to this and I'm going to step out in that and I'm going to run with it. I'm gonna go talk to Pharaoh. I'm gonna go tell him what's up. I'm gonna tell him he needs to let your people go and he is not gonna kill me because you are with me and I am inviting your oxen into my life. Cool, what about Esther? All you ladies out there know anything about Esther? Heck yeah, I love that story. Sweet. So in Esther 4, if you guys don't know anything about that, Esther kind of, not exactly lies her way, but doesn't truth her way into becoming the queen, right? She just doesn't say the fact that she's a Jew. Um, And so she becomes a queen. um, And basically through all of the rest of the chapters, I'd encourage you to go read it. We don't have time to dive into that right now. But throughout the rest of the chapters, she discovers this plan um, that, that the government has to kill all of the Jews in the land. Um, and so she says, I don't know about all that, but, but feels a prompting to go save her people, right? So she, she goes before the king, which in that time, simply going before the king without him requiring you or asking you to come could result in being killed on the spot. And so that's a big step, but she felt that she was called, right? She felt that even though this oxen may be dirty, it may get her killed, it may be ugly, she was going to do that because she felt called to do that, Right? And it resulted in eventually all of, all of the Jews being saved, right? Just read that story, see how it ends. What about in the New Testament? We have Peter in Acts chapter 10 and 11. Peter was called into to being one of the first to preach to the Gentiles. Gentiles just meaning non-Jews. And so Peter um, had a vision. It's, it's really crazy. I got to preach on it last spring. So if you're interested in hearing it, you can scroll back in our podcast and, and listen to that um, sermon. But it was through a whole crazy story of him seeing a vision and somebody else seeing a vision and then coming together and him going and preaching and many being saved, all kinds of crazy stuff happened. But in order for him to have done all that, he had to say, this is going to be kind of, kind of potentially bad. It could get messy. If I go and do this, um, the Jews and the Pharisees and Sadducees, they could all get mad at me because at that time it was still believed by some people that the gospel, that the good news of Jesus, that the Bible, that scripture, that salvation was only for the Jews. And so it could have potentially been bad for him. But he stepped out on that, he said yes to the oxen and he went and he preached to the Gentiles for one of the very first times. And because of that, we're all sitting in this room right now. Um, Without that, who knows if anybody would have eventually had the courage to to step out and to say, I'm gonna go preach to the Gentiles because that's what we are. Unless you're a Jew in here, if so, that's awesome. Um, I've never met you, that's super cool, let's meet afterwards. But because of that, Because Peter was willing to kind of step out and accept that oxen into his manger and potentially get his manger messy and stinky and dirty, we all get to have have the opportunity to know who Jesus Christ is. And that's beautiful, right? Um, And I don't tell you these things just to talk about, well, like, oh, well, we have this standard that we have, to, that we have to live up to, but I tell you these things because these are great examples of real-life people, whether it go all the way back to Levi's example of, of talking to Emily and asking for her number, or whether it goes all the way to Jesus being willing to step out and die on the cross for us. These are all perfect examples of people who are completely unwilling to let their manger stay clean. They were completely willing to, to have a clean manger when they could have the opportunity of having an ox in their life, right? They were completely unwilling to settle for good whenever they could have great, whenever great was available. These are all great examples of, of people who are willing to let their life get a little crazy, of people who are willing to, to invite craziness into their life, to, to take on a dangerous calling for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of God and, and people's salvation, These are all great examples of that. They were not sitting on their calling. They were were not willing to to have a clean manger. They invited the oxen into their life, whatever it may be. (coughs) And as as we look at that and say, well, what the heck does that mean for my life, right? That's cool. We can look at stories of people who have great big desires and visions to preach to the Gentiles or to open up coffee shops in Southeast Asia or to ask that girl out or to, to do whatever it is in their lives. So we have all of these examples of that. What does it mean for application in our lives? What are the steps we can take to making that happen? So I have a, I have a couple of application points for you. Um, and if you want to throw that first one up on the screen, it just simply says, Weigh it against God's word. And just simply because this whole time tonight, I've been preaching about you taking risks, and I've been preaching about calculated opportunities and, and thinking about the, the good rather than the bad that can happen, that doesn't mean, woo, I get to do whatever I want now. Zach said it, that I just get to go and I get to do crazy things because that's what the Bible says. No, that's not what I'm saying. What you need to do is whenever, whenever you have an idea or whether you feel like you're called to something, Weigh it up against scripture, right? If you're like, man, I really, man, I just feel called to go and um, fight that person, right? I just feel called to, to go and punch that person in the face. Weighing that up against scripture, that doesn't sound a whole lot like anything that scripture calls us to do, right? Thou shall punch everybody in the face. I don't think that's one of the commandments. If it is, let me know, um, so coupled with this, I think that it's pretty wise to ask for God's discernment and his wisdom about things. If you feel called to something, take time to take a step back from it and pray, right? So take time to, to kind of weigh it up against, up against the scripture, because we know that this is the full truth and, and all of the truth, right? So we know that our questions can be answered through this, and that if something goes against what this says, we should not do it. I don't care how much you feel like you should. If it goes against this, don't do it. Also, I encourage you guys to write these down. Um, We are going to be talking about these in connect groups right afterwards. So go ahead and write them down. If you haven't, jot a note in your phone or if you're writing on paper or whatever, that would be awesome. So the second one is to weigh it up against common sense. Again, similarly with weighing it up against scripture, you got to weigh it up against common sense, right? Because if I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know what? I think the next step in my life should be I should become an international assassin. That seems like a great idea, right? I have no business being a kill for hire, right? I have no, uh, no interest in that. I have, there is no reason why I should think that that should be a possibility in my life. Um, it just doesn't make sense, right? I'm not going to go, and I'm not going to be an assassin. Common sense. That should be pretty simple, um, Number three, that one was quick and simple. Number three is going to be prepare for pushback. I'm going to spend a a minute longer on this one. Um, Big choices in your life almost always result in some sort of pushback, right? Whether it's you asking a girl out and your parents being like, you don't need to get serious until you finish college. That might be it. Something simple. Or whether it's... um, you go into, to, or you, you feel like the desire to go into full-time ministry like my boy JT, and you have to tell your family that, right? And, and maybe your family's not going to love it. Um, maybe they're going to be like, no, you are not going to do that. And you're like, yes, I am. Um, so prepare for pushback, right? Because almost always, whenever you make big choices in your life, pushback follows. Whether it be from people, whether it be from just your life getting harder, right? I definitely feel like this is somewhere that spiritual warfare can come into play. If you're doing big things for the kingdom, chances are, it's gonna get a little bit difficult for you, right? Um, and so it's, it's gonna be hard. There, in all of those biblical examples that, that we put before you guys, things were difficult. Things were not easy. You need to be prepared for people to say, you know what, I think you're crazy. You know what, I think you're doing it wrong. You know what, you don't need to do that, you need to do this. Instead of doing that, you should go the other direction. So you have to be prepared for people to disagree with you. Otherwise, it's going to be real easy for somebody to get a pin and pop your balloon, right? And you're going nowhere. But with this, that does not mean that if your, your parents are wise counsel or your, your brothers and sisters in Christ, if they come up to you and they're like, hey, Mauricio, actually, man, what you're doing... I don't think that's a great idea. Maybe you should take a step back and look at it. That doesn't mean you go, you don't know me. I should be prepared for pushback. I I need you to back off. You don't know who I am. This is what I'm doing. You still have to take wisdom from other people, and you still have to to be ready to accept that and be ready to think on it, right? Because I would fully expect if I was doing something whack that Brandon would come up to me and be like, hey, Zach, I know you think you're doing the right thing, but you're not. And if, if I said, psh, get off my back, you don't know me, I fully expect him to say, hey, Zach, we need to sit down and talk about this, right? That's what community is here for. If, if you ignore that, you're doing it wrong. And so that, this, this fourth one is to simply know that the Father is in control, right? I think this is the best one out of all of them, if you ask me, to know that the Father is in control. Um, because in these seasons of things getting crazy, there being a whirlwind, you're moving, you're doing this, you're doing that, things can just get out of hand, am I right? Things can be scary. Things can be like, man, I thought that I knew what I was supposed to do. I thought that I was supposed to go and proclaim the gospel to my professor and now he's just mean to me and he is docking me points on things. It's really hard in that moment to say, man, I know that the Father is in control and I know that I'm in his hands. Um, but that is something that's so important to remember, because without that, where is our hope? If our hope is not in the fact that the Father has us, then we don't have hope. If we don't have hope um, in the knowledge that the Father is in every season that we're in, whether it's a season of mourning, or whether it's a season of growing, or whether it's a season of rejoicing, whatever it is, the Father is in that season, and He's not leaving you. Um, that's so important. He knows what step you need to take into your life. He knows what oxen you need to invite into your life. Just like whenever Peter he he stepped out of the boat, right, and and Jesus called him out onto the water, and so he's going to walk on the water, and he has it for a minute, but he loses sight that the Father is in control, right? He loses sight that Jesus has him, and what happens? He sinks. And so if we're going to lose sight of the Father, and if we're going to lose sight that He is in control. We're going to sink really really quickly so we cannot let fear we cannot let fear control our actions we cannot let fear take control of our choices we cannot let fear keep us from inviting the oxen into our life that could potentially be messy we can't let fear do any of that <clears throat> and so I ask you guys what oxen do you need to bring into your life tonight as silly as that relation is, and and as silly as it it sounds to think, what, what oxen can I invite into my manger? What oxen is God calling into your life right now? It could be something as simple as like Levi's story again. It could be, hey, man, just step out onto that, be okay with being rejected, and ask that girl on a date. You could be walking your future wife to her car and back without asking for her number. I said, maybe. Just because I said that it may be your future wife out there does not mean that any girl you ask for her number is their future wife or your future wife. So that could be your future wife. It could not be. But you're never going to know unless, <laughs> unless you take this step into that. It could be, uh, like I said, pursuing your full-time call to ministry and saying no to med school and saying yes to seminary. It could be that. It could be saying saying no to a lifelong career in something that will bring money in, and saying, actually, I'm going to move to the slums of Johannesburg, South Africa, and I'm going to, to pursue international missions there. Um, it, it could be something um, as simple as changing your major, right? You could be like, man, changing my major <clears throat> could potentially be messy. If I change my major, how many of my credits that I currently have are going to go away? Um, It could be transferring schools. It could be um, trying to step out and to make new friends. You could be rejected. There's a lot of fear in that. Your manger could potentially be messy, but what happens when you bring that oxen into your life and everything grows, right? And you see the Lord using you in ways that you could never imagine. How awesome would that be? It could be something like inviting Jesus into your life. That in my opinion, hands down, is the biggest thing that you could do in this situation. Inviting Jesus into your life could be the biggest oxen that you could ever bring into your manger, right? Because Jesus is messy. If you've read any of the gospel, any of scripture, you can see that Jesus did not beat around the bushes. He was not a people pleaser. He did not make things easy all the time. Jesus was 110 percent fully committed to the advancement of the kingdom. And whenever you invite that into your life, things could get messy. But I'm telling you, when you invite that into your life, things will grow, things will flourish. Your life will not be the same. And so as I invite the the worship man back up here, um, I'm just gonna encourage you guys to take about the next two to three minutes just in your chair to sit and to talk to the Father And to simply just ask him what oxen do i need to invite into my life how can i uh how can i walk in boldness in that um what aspect of my life needs that right is my manger too clean am i too afraid to bring that into my life and get a little messy ask him where you need to do that and just to encourage you you might pray for these couple minutes and you might not figure out right that's totally something that could happen but don't be discouraged because this is simply the start of a dialogue with the Father about where he wants you to grow and how your life is gonna be used. So I encourage you to take these next couple minutes, sit in your chairs and pray. I'm gonna pray for us real quick and then uh, you guys start that. Father, we thank you so much. Uh, We just thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, even Proverbs that seem like they mean nothing to us and have nothing to do with us, we thank you that they really do. Um, And that all of your scripture is God-breathed and uh, all of your scripture is useful for us. um, And that we can make something out of all of your scripture, Father. And that you actually encourage us to do that. I thank you for everybody here tonight, Father. Um, I just pray that as we take the next few minutes to pray um, that we really just kind of discover what you have for us, Father. Let us realize where we need to bring an oxen into our life and that we need to not be afraid of making our manger or our life a little bit messy. Thank you, Dad. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. You can learn more about the journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey lbk.